Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from 1 Kings, chapter 8, verses 54 through 61. This can be found on page 340 of your pew Bible. As the dedication of the temple of the Lord comes to a close, Solomon turns to the people of Israel, speaking a benediction and calling them to devote their whole heart to God. A reading from 1 Kings, chapter 8, beginning with the 54th verse. Now as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with his hands outstretched toward heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine, with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, and may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your hearts therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments, as at this day. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Sometime late next year, we will open the new church building in Stanford. I'm so excited for this day. When the last light bulb is twisted into its socket and the paint on the walls is dry, We'll have a dedication service. I am so single-minded and wholeheartedly focused on that day and beyond. I think about it every day, even now. And if I'm single-mindedly and wholeheartedly excited about that day, I can't imagine how excited King Solomon was. He had a bit of a church plant on his hands as well, a bit of a construction project that he oversaw. The construction of the temple. The scripture paragraph that we read for today is Solomon's benediction prayer at the conclusion of the dedication service of the temple in Jerusalem. And as I was praying about what the Lord might have for us in studying this text today, I felt the Lord prompting me to look at the angle of leadership in the kingdom of God. Solomon was a leader in the kingdom of God. I'm a leader in the kingdom of God. And when I look around this room, this sanctuary, I see so many leaders in the kingdom of God. If you are a Christ-following small business owner, you're a leader in the kingdom of God. If you're a teacher or a band instructor who follows Christ, you're a leader in the kingdom of God. If you have a household that you oversee, you are a leader in the kingdom of God. And usually when I encounter leaders in the kingdom of God, often I encounter exhausted people. 
sometimes with exhausted people that they're leading. But what this scripture reveals to us today is that there's a way to lead in the kingdom of God that's leading from a place of rest. So I want us to go into the scriptures today, look at this story to find out just how that might be possible. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 6. I'm going to be referring to some earlier verses in the chapter, earlier than what Jared read for us, to give us a little bit of background. So if you have the Bible in front of you, I encourage you to take it out. The verses will be on the wall behind me, but the Word of God can be right in your hands. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 6. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. I want you to see this image of the temple that Solomon built. If you can display that for us. There's two details here that I want to point out. One was mentioned in the verse that I just read. You know, I look at this construction project, and I wonder if King Solomon had to deal with P and Z in Jerusalem. I'm looking at Wes Livers here. I wonder how cooperative his uh, general contractor was. And Maybe he didn't have to deal with any of the setbacks or asbestos or headaches or anything that we deal with, but probably, he probably did. The reason we read verse 6 is that it says the Ark of the Covenant was brought in. It was the final piece of furniture. I'm just going to show you this here. I know those of you worshiping at home, you can't see my sweet laser pointer. But if you look over on the left of the image, you'll see the, the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary of the temple. And the Ark of the Covenant, which contains the tablets of the Ten Commandments, it was the most important object in the entire temple construction. The people of God believed that the presence of God was manifest in the Ark of the Covenant. Everywhere it went, everywhere they went, they brought the presence of God with them with the Ark of the Covenant. It had been in the tabernacle, a temporary dwelling place for some time. But now in the year 957 BC, King Solomon has completed the construction of the temple. And they're bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. Very important moment. This is the moment that we're in in Scripture. There's one other object I want to show you, which is this giant altar outside. The prayer that we're about to hear Solomon pray takes place right here. Solomon's going to be standing on these steps between the presence of God and the people of God. Over to the right of the picture is where the assembly, when you see the word assembly in the story, that's where the people of God would have been assembled. So everybody got the construction project in your mind of where we are in the story. Verse 6 says, the Ark of the Covenant has been placed where it needs to go. And then Solomon positions himself actually in the posture of a priest. A priest is a go-between, between God's people and God. In verse 22, it says this, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. Can you picture that now from the image you just saw? He stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. And then he goes on to start praying for the people. And he's praying out loud in such a way that they can hear him, that they can hear his intercessory prayers between the people of God and the presence of God. And it says in verse 22 that he's standing before the altar 
with his arms outstretched towards heaven like this. The people can hear his voice, but he's talking to God at the altar. And if you read carefully all the way down to verse 54, it says by the end of this long prayer that he prays, he's on his knees before the altar with his hands outstretched towards heaven. It's a really long prayer, and maybe he got tired. Or he's demonstrating for the people how earnest his prayers were before God. Now, the prayers that he prays out loud so the people can hear and so that God can hear, I'm not going to go through all the verses. You can read them between 22 and 54. But he basically, I'm going to summarize it like this. He says, Lord, here we are at your altar. Whenever we sin against you, we will come here. And I ask that you would hear our prayers and forgive us our sins. If there's a famine in the land, or if the rain has been shut up from heaven, we will come here, and I pray that you would hear the prayers of your people. If the enemy of our nation is threatening us, we will come here, Lord, to your altar, and when we do, hear our prayers. If the enemy is successful and comes and conquers us, Lord, if we have sinned, if there's any reason that we deserve being conquered by our enemies, we will come here and I pray that you would hear our prayers and forgive us our sins. Lord, if the enemy is successful and captures us and takes us off to their foreign lands, we will position our bodies towards this place And I pray that even from there, you will hear our prayers and forgive us our sins. See what Solomon is doing as he's interceding for the people of God, but he's also leading them. He's instructing them on where to go when they need forgiveness, where to go when they need help. What Solomon is doing is he's leading through interceding. He's leading through interceding. It might seem a little weird that he's praying to God, but he wants the people to hear him. That seems a little bit weird, but then I remember Jesus did that. Do you remember when Lazarus had died? And he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he says, Lord, I'm praying to you right now, not so much so you can hear me, but so they can hear me and believe. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. So Solomon demonstrates for us how to lead through intercession. Now, I've been using this word intercession. Pastor Heather called us to prayers of intercession after the service like we do every Sunday. But what does intercession prayer actually mean? Well, it's basically standing between God and someone you're praying for and interceding for them, carrying their burden through prayer right to the altar like Solomon was standing in front of. I want to demonstrate this for you in a visual way. Hi, Bruno. Bruno doesn't know I'm about to do this. Oh, you're going to shake my hand? How polite. (laughs) See this rock that I left here? It says, please do not touch. You you can touch it. You can touch it. Would you pick that up for me? Would you hold that above your head? You can sit right where you are. Yeah, hold it above your head. Yeah, good. Just keep it there for a while. (laughs) I would imagine that's getting a little bit heavy. It's a little bit awkward. Yeah. Sometimes our brothers and sisters have burdens that they bear. And when we go to God in intercessory prayer, through prayer, 
we take that burden right to God. Now, I really want Bruno to learn how to do this on his own. I want all of you to learn how to bring your burdens to God on your own. But when I intercede for you, when I pray for you through prayer, I take your burden and I say, Lord, my brother has this burden. Will you please, will you please take this burden off of my brother? I bring it to your altar, Lord, through prayer. Will you take that burden, Lord? How do you feel, Bruno? Much better, yeah. <laughs> now, I didn't actually take Bruno's burden from him, but I was trusting the one who can. And that's what intercessory prayer looks like. This is what Solomon was doing between the people of God and the presence of God. He's interceding for them, but he's also leading, he's instructing God's people and what to do when they have burdens. Now it says in verse 54 that he stands up. After he's completed this intercessory prayer, he stands up to give a benediction, to give a blessing. I want to read that for us, to hear what might be on Solomon's mind after this prayer of intercession. Follow along with me, verse 54 and following. I'm going to read the entire benediction, then I'm going to circle back to just two ideas. Notice, as we hear Solomon's benediction, notice who the focus is on. Okay. Now, as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with his hands outstretched toward heaven, and he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise which he spoke by Moses, his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine, with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God, day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord, Yahweh, our God, is God. There is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. See who Solomon is single-mindedly and wholeheartedly focused on in his benediction, his blessing to the people? Well, it's not himself, but it's God. Sometimes when I read scripture, I play this out in my mind. I think, what could the person have said otherwise? What might they have said? Solomon, if he wasn't focused on God, might have said after the whole dedication ceremony, the whole dedication service of the temple, Solomon could have stood up there on the altar steps and said, I did it. <laughs> Do you guys see this? God could have chosen my father David to build this temple, but 
He chose me. I guess I'm kind of special. Do you guys know how hard this project was? Wow. Thank you. I know what my wife's going to tell me later. She says, she's going to say, you, you put that on so realistically, you might actually believe it. <laughs> Solomon wholeheartedly and single-mindedly is focused on the God of Israel, the God who completed that project for his own glory. Leaders, take note. It's not about you. If God has put you in your position, he has supplied what you've needed, and he will carry your plans to completion. And the more you point your people towards him, well, the more joyful they'll be and the more at rest you'll be. At verse 66, at the very end, I love this little detail. On the eighth day, he sent the people away, and they blessed the king and went to their homes joyful and glad of heart. For all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David, Solomon's father, his servant, and to Israel, his people. But there's another word here I want to just zoom in on for a minute at the beginning of Solomon's benediction. Verse 56. He says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. I'm noticing as we go through the three-year chronological study of the Bible, as we go through these Old Testament passages, this concept of rest keeps coming up. And I think this concept of rest is a little bit different in the Old Testament than the way we think of rest. In the Old Testament, they use this phrase, basically there's one of two options for the people. They are either at war or they're at rest. They're either at war with the nations around them or God gives them rest. We tend to think of rest as vacation or taking a nap. I can say this on August 14 because everybody in Nantucket who's not here today, I can rip on vacations. We've all taken ours already. But God doesn't necessarily say, I want to give you vacation. God wants to give us rest from the war. When the people were at rest, it doesn't mean they were kicking up on a hammock somewhere. No, they were going about their lives, their work, their pleasure, their education, their family. They were at rest from war. And that's what God is offering us here. Rest from war and rest from our burdens. That entire intercessory prayer that Solomon led in was like carrying those burdens from the people right to the altar. We can rest it puts new meaning, I think, to the words of Jesus when he said, come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest, Jesus says. Take those burdens to Jesus. And how has he given us rest from war? Jesus has finished the battle, the most important battle that could ever come against us. When Jesus died on the cross, he finished the war against sin that we all wage every day. 
Because he took the punishment of sin upon his own body. He finished the war against sin. And then when he rose from the dead, he conquered our other greatest enemy, death itself. He lives. The war is over. We can rest. He's given rest to the people of God. And we can take our burdens to him. And when we do that, leaders, the people experience joy. And we lead from a place of rest. Sometimes when I feel that battle raging or when I'm carrying a burden or when I know that one of you is carrying a terrible burden, I come right here into this room and I pray. I intercede for you. Sometimes I come sit in the pews, but other times when the battle is raging really hard or when the burden is really heavy, I come and I, I lay down right here. Now, I haven't shared that. I've been a pastor here for 11 years, and I've never told you that because I wanted it to be between me and God that I come and I lie down here. But I wanted to share this with you because I think it illustrates what God has for us in this text. But when the battle is raging really hard, when the devil is coming against you or me, or when the burden is terrible, when I've gotten word from one of you, a child's cancer diagnosis or something terrible like that, I come right in here and I lie down and I put my hands out like this right here on the floor, my face against the wood, and I pray, I intercede. And while I do that, often... I can almost feel the whole earth spinning on its axis beneath me, beneath this church. And I start to relax a little bit. And everything I came in so tight and anxious about starts to fade a little bit. I feel like I'm in charge of so much. I have to oversee so many projects like Solomon. And then I remember what it says in Hebrews 1 verse 3 that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And I feel that planet spinning beneath me, and I rest. Sometimes I even fall asleep. <laughs> it's true. I know a lot of people fall asleep during my prayers. I'm one of them. <laughs> and I just rest. And the burden that I came in bearing, that some of you might be holding that day, I think it was mine. I think I come in like with a carrying a rock for you or something. And then I remember what it says in Romans 8, verse 34, that Jesus intercedes for me, for us. That's how he's spending his days. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding. He's the go-between between God and God's people. That makes me rest. And I want to stand up from that place like Solomon did after his intercession prayer. And I'm reminded then, I'm freed up just to simply bless. That's what Solomon did here. He just blessed people. His job was to oversee, manage, do all those things. But then through intercession, he was freed up to bless as a leader. Do you hear that, leaders? Just bless. And his focus of his blessing was not on himself. It wasn't even really on the people. It was on the great blesser. 
I love the benediction we do at the end of the worship service here at Stanwich. I get to stand here, and I'm going to conclude with this in just a moment. But I love standing here saying to you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. I have no illusion that it's me blessing you. It's all God. So leaders, if you're exhausted, if your people that you're leading are exhausted, begin today to intercede for them. Lead when you intercede. Pray that the Lord would take their burdens right to the altar. You know, when we go to the altar here at Steenwich Church, it's not a ram or a bull or a lamb on the altar, but it's Jesus himself who died in our place, the great burden bearer, the great interceder, the great blesser. May he bless you and keep you. May he turn his face toward you and be gracious to you. May he lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In all God's children said, amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.